If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 17, 2023. The podcast that clears the trees obscuring the forest. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's outsize the news of the bogus. We've known for years that the FBI has been lying about the number of defensive gun uses. Now, a report on the FBI data itself shows that wherever guns are allowed, an armed citizen stops an active shooter two-thirds of the time. An examination of 440 active shooter incidents documented by the FBI showed that 157 were stopped by armed civilians, a rate of 35%. But when the FBI reported data on defensive gun use, they removed a lot of those cases, leaving just 302 with 14 stopped by armed civilians. These figures are used by the news media to call defensive gun use rare. Of course, when they want to scare you, they not only use the full figure, they add on things like accidental discharges, self-defense, and suicides. In certain incidents, the FBI misclassified the civilian as a security guard, as they did when a mass shooter in a Texas church, West Freeway Church of Christ, opened fire and was stopped by Jack Wilson just six seconds later. Wilson was described by the FBI and news reports as an armed security officer, but he wasn't. He was a 71-year-old retiree who was a former reserve deputy, so apparently that's enough to dismiss it somehow. By the way, the video shows five or six other people in the congregation pulling their weapons, so the shooter didn't stand a chance. They also didn't count cases that were related to another crime, where police later apprehended the shooter, or just left out the armed defender entirely. They also didn't count cases that were related to another crime, and also didn't count cases where police later apprehended the shooter. Sometimes, they even just left out the armed defender entirely. The report found that the FBI undercounts such issues by an order of magnitude, the FBI had pared the number of armed defenders down to 4.6% instead of the actual 35.7%. Adding in cases that were wrongfully eliminated because they were prevented entirely results in an additional 103 active shooting incidents missed by the FBI, 35 of which were stopped by armed civilians. And one more significant aspect of the data. The reason the number of active defenders is so low is because so many of these incidents take place in gun-free zones. When looking at incidents that occurred in places where citizens with concealed carry permits were legally allowed to carry, armed citizens stopped active shooters 63% of the time, almost two-thirds. And this doesn't include the cases that just can't be counted, where a would-be shooter didn't even try because of the possibility of armed resistance. As we covered in the past, the Aurora, Colorado shooter went past several movie theaters to go to the one that banned handguns. And the Pulse nightclub shooting occurred there, not because the shooter was homophobic as the media claimed, he didn't even realize it was a gay bar when he went in, it was because he had ruled out several other targets, including Disney World, 
because there were armed personnel present. It's not a cliché because it's true. The best way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Don't fall for the lies. And don't believe the FBI. They will lie to you time and time again. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. Amidst all the misinformation and fear-mongering of regenerative AI, it's nice to see that sensible artists are making their voices heard. You might be forgiven for thinking that all artists want AI banned for copyright abuse, since those are the only ones the news media seems to want to talk to. And that includes the first of Senator Chuck Schumer's AI summits, which basically consists of a bunch of billionaires whining that AI can be used by smaller companies to compete against them. Attendees with a combined net worth of over half a trillion dollars included Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Jensen Huang, Sam Altman, Sundar Pichai, Arvind Krishna, and Eric Schmidt. The closed-door meeting is part of Schumer's strategy to have Congress control the future of AI. According to Schumer's prepared remarks, he planned to say to them, quote, That's why we brought all of you here today. We need to hear from you. We need help, of course, from developers and experts who build AI systems. But we also need help from those who are asking tough questions, who care about developing safeguards to minimize AI's risks. As for what he actually said, we don't know because the entire meeting was closed off, even to the press, because, according to Elizabeth Warren, quote, We've got to respect safety. By the way, the meeting came a day after Warren called for Musk to be investigated for not allowing Starlink to be used for Ukrainian military action in Russian territory. Does this smell of extortion to anyone else? And surprise, surprise, the panel apparently agreed unanimously that the future of AI should be left in the hands of people who can't even set up a Zoom meeting. Completely absent from the meeting were any voices representing small businesses and independent artists for whom AI presents tremendous opportunities. So, at the very least, Creative Commons stepped forward to send an open letter to Schumer on behalf of over 160 artists who are actually using generative AI for what it is, an artistic medium. They wrote, 
We write this letter today as professional artists using generative AI tools to help us put soul in our work. Many of us are artists who have dedicated our lives to studying in traditional mediums while dreaming of generative AI's capabilities. For others, generative AI is making art more accessible or allowing them to pioneer entirely new artistic mediums. Just like previous innovations, these tools lower barriers in creating art, a career that has been traditionally limited to those with considerable financial means, abled bodies, and the right social connections. Unfortunately, this diverse, pioneering work of individual human artists is being misrepresented. Some say it is about merely typing in prompts or regurgitating existing works. Others deride our methods and our art as based on stealing and data theft. It is well known that all artists build not only on the previous ideas, genres, and concepts that came before, but also on the culture in which they create. We are speaking out today to advocate for a future of richer and more accessible creative innovation for generations of artists to come. Artists breathe life into AI, directing its innovation towards positive cultural evolution while expanding the essential human dimensions it inherently lacks. For us, generative AI tools are empowering and expressive. We use them not to duplicate others, but rather to make transformative new works and experiences. It is precisely because we use these technologies that our viewpoint is so urgent at this time. I don't know how many times people like me have to explain how AI works for the ignorant blowhards to get the idea. Of course, they don't want to get the idea because they don't want competition from smaller companies and individual artists, which is why, as always, it's important that we all make our voices heard. Good on Creative Commons for helping us do just that. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. If you want a good laugh on a regular basis, follow Biden's at POTUS account on Twitter X. Among the laughably untrue statements he's been making this year is how his administration ended inflation and brought prices back down. He didn't, of course. Prices are still increasing. They're just not increasing at quite the same rate, and that difference is what he's calling a reduction. He's been especially bragging about how he's lowered the price of gas, even though the national average is $3.80 a gallon, 
far larger than the $2.31 when Trump left office or the pre-pandemic price of $1.86. Now you know why the federal budget is in shambles. But, of course, Biden hasn't been saying that lately as inflation has nudged back up. Energy prices as a whole are mostly responsible, although all prices have been increasing, most of them faster than wages. Gasoline alone accounted for more than half the increase. In addition, electricity prices also rose and are now on average 16.11 cents per kilowatt hour, up from 12.49 in 2022. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, quote, Real average hourly earnings for all employees decreased 0.5% from July to August, seasonally adjusted. Real average weekly earnings decreased 0.1% over the month due to the change in real average hourly earnings combined with a 0.3% increase in the average work week. Or, as the American Institute for Economic Research put it, a basket of goods that cost $100 in 2019 would now cost $114.47. And many everyday purchases, not just gas but food as well, increased at a much higher rate. The Fed raised their benchmark interest rate to 5.5%, the highest level in 22 years. According to Newsweek, regarding a poll conducted before the release of the latest inflation figures, quote, a majority of respondents to the Redfield and Wilton Strategies Newsweek poll blamed the Biden administration for the surge in gas prices, with 55% saying that the recent increase was primarily caused by the U.S. government mismanagement. Only 36% approved of his handling of the economy. According to the New York Fed, quote, Median one- and five-year-ahead inflation expectations rose slightly in August. Similarly, year-ahead expectations about households' financial situations deteriorated in August, with the share of households expecting a worse financial situations in one year from now rising. Biden is trying to claim that the people are prospering, but aside from the astroturfers that come to reply, everybody knows better. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to poeticize this week's biggest Boganimeter. And this week, it goes to Benjamin Zyker of the American Enterprise Institute for yet more nuclear fear-mongering, 
Just what we need following the news in the last segment about rising energy prices. Thankfully, more and more Americans are looking at nuclear energy favorably at the highest level since Fukushima. A recent Pew Research poll showed 57% of Americans favoring nuclear power, including 67% of Republicans and 50% of Democrats, at a time when even Japan is restarting its nuclear reactors. A lot of it is the same old, same old. The costs are prohibitive, even though long-term they're less than five cents per kilowatt hour, as long as insane politicians don't shut the plants down early. He even points out that government is the problem, while refusing to acknowledge that government is the problem and not nuclear power itself. Quote, The wind production tax credit is the most important and the most perverse. Wind producers receive roughly $27.50 per megawatt hour of generation. This creates a major competitive problem for nuclear plants because the wind producers receiving those tax credits have incentives to underprice their power, sometimes to zero or even below, knowing that the PTC will make them whole. I have to give him credit, though. He actually came up with a whole new completely stupid argument, something most pseudoscientists fail to do. When talking about the point being made that nuclear power is carbon-free, quote, Once conservatives and Republicans endorse, however implicitly, the idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, they will have lost the debate. They will be reduced to negotiating with themselves over which destructive policies are acceptable, and they will find themselves without a bedrock principle with which to oppose an ever-expanding system of central planning. The only political benefit attendant upon the promotion of carbon-free nuclear power is the vociferous opposition elicited from the environmental left, thus exposing their hypocrisy. That simply is not enough. So, getting behind nuclear power means we'll end up with central planning? I can't even begin to fathom this! The bedrock principle, which he claims nuclear proponents are lacking, is that we should get the government out of it, and at least get the environmentalist obstructionists out of the NRC, with amazing new breakthroughs in nuclear power, including SMRs and MMRs that will make implementing nuclear power cheaper, faster, and safer, it's hard to think of a better time to get behind it. Of course, since these are new technologies, they suffer from the early adopter effect, but after you build a few of them out, then, like the prices of HDTVs and all sorts of other developments, a gigawatt facility made of SMRs can be built out for much cheaper than traditional power plants, especially if you repurpose coal plants. He doesn't mention any of this. Like all the anti-nuclear people, he just pretends there haven't been any innovations whatsoever since the 1970s. He's just approaching his bogosity from the right instead of the left. That's the only difference. The whole article is basically an unhinged screed about how only fossil fuels can power our civilization. If there were at least something in there about breaking down the barriers put in place by government and letting the market decide, that would be a saving grace, but it just isn't there. So all of that makes Benjamin Zyker this week's Biggest Bogan Emitter. 
want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's re-adjudicate this week's Idiot And this week it goes to the news media for more stupid copyright tricks, this time with regards to Donald Trump's mugshot. When Trump was formally arrested in Georgia, the media was all giddy about the prospect of them having a mugshot to plaster all over the place to embarrass him. Of course, none of his other arrests had a mugshot, because the purpose of a mugshot is to identify the person in case they flee. Everyone knows what Trump looks like. Be on the lookout for an orange man largely obscured by hair. Known whereabouts are often golf courses and auditoriums with lots of boxes in them. So taking his mugshot was just capricious and idiotic because anyone with a lick of sense could see how this would inevitably backfire. And Trump was making the same expression as in that famous graphic of an angry bald eagle. Immediately the news media hype over it fizzled. Most of them were just reduced to pointing out that the mugshot existed and it meant Trump was disgraced. Some made a lackluster and unconvincing attempt to claim Trump looked constipated, which wasn't even remotely the expression he made. It all just came off as so pathetic. Meanwhile, the Trumpeters made hay while the sun was shining. They made t-shirts and social media graphics and everything else, included a wanted poster that said, Wanted for president. Other Republicans even made their own fake mugshots in support. The Trump campaign officially released shirts with the mugshot and the words, Never Surrender. Overall, Trump's campaign raised over $7 million in just the first three days after the mugshot's release. So, what's a histrionic news media to do? Well, now some of them are having their so-called legal scholars saying that Trump doesn't have the right to profit off the mugshot because, you guessed it, copyrights! Melissa Koenig, writing in the New York Post, tried to claim that the mugshot is the intellectual property of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. She quoted Betsy Rosenblatt, professor at Case Western Reserve University School of Law, saying, quote, you're prohibited from using it for a number of things without authorization. You're prohibited from reproducing it, making a derivative work of it, distributing it without reauthorization, or, that is to say, distributing anything that isn't in the one copy you already lawfully have, and various other things. Making a public display of it, 
making a public performance of it, which opens up all kinds of fascinating possibilities here. Dean Obaidala of MSNBC said that since Trump didn't make any alterations to the mugshot, it can't be transformative. He also, laughably wrongly, said that they can't claim fair use since the campaign was making money off of it, proffering a long-held myth that just hasn't held up in court. The biggest reason why this claim is stupid is immediately obvious. The whole point of a mugshot, as I said, is to identify the person should they flee. To that end, news outlets, and anyone else for that matter, need to be free to publish the image with impunity. Another point that makes this claim iffy at best is the fact that the Fulton County Sheriff's Office is not a private entity. It's not the case that everything they publish is automatically public domain, as it is with the federal government, but it's been incredibly difficult for government agencies to claim IP in the past as they're produced with taxpayer resources. It should probably be emphasized that, at least at this time, Fulton County is not making a copyright claim on the mugshot. This is incredibly theoretical wishful thinking by the news media. In fact, from what I've been able to find out, no state or local government has ever even tried to claim copyright of a mugshot. They're reproduced all the time in for-profit media outlets when they want to show a photo of a suspect, since any other photos they might want to show, such as those posted to social media, would be copyrighted works requiring permission. Colin Rugg of Trending Politics tweet Imagine indicting Donald Trump three times hyping the fourth indictment up to be the best one yet, finally getting to be able to get a mugshot of the former president, releasing the mugshot, and then Trump throws the mugshot in a fundraising email, comes back to X, and steals the whole show from you. Legendary energy shift. And even if Fulton County, a county very strapped for cash amid major mismanagement scandals, did decide that suing Trump for the $7 million he made was a worthwhile endeavor, what would that do except further galvanize his base? At some point, some of them need to learn about the Streisand effect. So all of that makes the news media this week's... Idiot up this, I think I look more like the Chrysler Building, edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Mike Masnick. One thing seems clear these days. If you want to hide something from the internet, you're only likely to make it more widely available, so you're often better off not stirring the hornet's nest. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity.